interesting subject. On the face of it, it seems like the perfect solution to the burnout issues that we're seeing at the moment and the well-being issues that we are experiencing with our staff. But actually, there's a lot of complexities in there that need discussing. Luckily for me, this week, our guest is Neville Henderson from Crown, and he is an amazing expert in working structures. So we're going to dig into what the four day week really means and maybe some of the solutions that could work better for you and your business. Let's dive in. Hello, I'm, I'm Neville Henderson. I'm a working time consultant with um, Crown Workforce Management. I've been working in this field for more than 30 years, introducing flexible working schemes throughout the UK and Ireland and even further afield, um, involving um, all sorts of different types of flexible working, using annualised hours, different methods of flexing, and really with the aim of improving work-life balance and improving productivity. Thanks so much for being here, Neville. Really appreciate your time. I guess let's get into the discussion then. First things first, can you give us a bit of a state of play for the four-day week? Where are we and is it picking up steam? Well, there's certainly been a lot of hype and press articles about it recently. There's been a very good campaign by um, Four Day Week Global. And really, since the pandemic, people are rightly calling for um, more flexibility, better work-life balance, and really more choice in deciding where, when, and how best to do their jobs. The work is evolving, and, and companies need to listen, learn, and adapt to what employees want. But notwithstanding this, we also need to understand true business requirements if businesses are going to remain competitive as well. So I, I, I do think the um, four-day week could be a positive change, but I think we're still in early days. You might have heard about them. There's about 60 plus companies covering about 3,000 employees. I've just recently reported the results of a trial of um, the four-day week with some very good results for a high proportion of the participants. And some of them are opting to continue with, uh, with, with this way of working. But often, if you sort of delve into the sort of detail about a lot of the instances in the press, where you've got three-day weekends, every Friday off, it's not really the true... 80% of hours for 100% of pay that the campaign is pushing, it's often sort of a little bit less radical where there's a slight reduction in hours or it's even compressed hours. For example, four 10-hour days instead of five eight-hour days, which are valid tools for businesses and employees, but it's not this definitive four-day week of the campaign. So it could be the start of a trend for working fewer hours. There's obviously inherent benefits for workers and it's likely to grow in, in some sectors, but it's not yet really widespread. In other sectors, really, especially those where the size of the pool of workers available has been reduced, even if you could guarantee some productivity gains, they still wouldn't fill the gaps. And in these areas, sort of people are still being pushed to work longer hours. Um, we still actually work more hours per week on average than most of the countries in Europe. 
it's really interesting to kind of go back to the origins of this. I mean, I think you've you've kind of covered them a tiny bit in that answer there, but I'd be really interested to delve a bit more into what the causes are of this move towards a four-day week and also where it's come from, you know? what What's the history around this concept in the workplace? Working hours have really long been endemic in the UK, and as I mentioned productivity earlier, that there may be a connection here between the UK's productivity problem, as evidence shows that sort of the longer you work each week, the poorer productivity you're likely to get. Yeah. The, the recent four-day week concept has really, I think, come from a, a push from employees themselves. It's not really definitive where, where the recent sort of um, interest has started, but you'll see lots of reports about there's a company in New Zealand called Perpetual, who sort of started with the trials with uh, working 30 hours, paying for 37 and a half hours, expecting the output to be the same. So that probably sort of very, one of the really early adopters. Um, this, this moved on to trials in Iceland, Reykjavik city authorities. And that, again, it was very successful, put people working fewer hours for the same pay. And that's actually spread quite widely throughout Iceland now. And there's been further implementations in Japan, more in New Zealand. And obviously you've got the UK trial, and there's some very good success rates. There's a lot of research about reports of the rise of the four-day week in the USA, purportedly a, a threefold increase from the mid-1970s to now. But again, you've got to be careful because mo- most of this is not really concerning the 100% output, 80% of time, 100% of pay concept. It's really about shift pattern changes, especially the push for 12-hour working. I mean, recent polls have found that sort of four times more employees support four-day working with longer shifts over standard five-day working. Mm-hmm. And in, in my work, I've often helped implement different ways of working with uh, many organisations. And I often come across the fact that employees like these longer shifts because it means effectively coming to work fewer days. So you're getting more leisure days and fewer commutes. When I've issued shift pattern calendars, I've often had the sort of uh, the the reply that they like the white space. And these are days where they don't have any work planned on them. So they can do what they want, basically. So although the concept of working fewer days is nothing new, this latest push for employees for working fewer days for the same pay, well, it could be a good thing if we can get the productivity boost. So it can also help with employee satisfaction, recruitment and retention. So let's let's talk about some of the benefits of a four day week working structure. And then I think we're probably going to go beyond that a bit. But people, I guess, are more rested. In what other ways can it really actually be an effective structure for the right company? Well, I've talked about productivity. It, it basically goes down as hours goes up. And there's, there's a lot of research which actually looks at, at longer hour working uh, and how it leads to many sort of different health issues heart and stroke problems, back injuries, increased blood pressure, effect on mental health, which can lead to all sorts of things like higher alcohol consumption, higher suicide rates. These are all sort of standard outputs. But really, it's the general fatigue, because the general fatigue can lead to accidents, it can lead to problems with safety at work. It doesn't just come about from from long hours working, it's also to do with poorly designed shift patterns, Mm -hmm. uh, working at unsocial times, lengthy shifts, poor rest periods. If it is sort of 24-7 shift work in the rotational directions of shifts and sort of notice of changes to shifts, how how prepared you are. And obviously fatigue can lead to serious issues, like I said, the risk of accidents. 
Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you sort of delve into the health and safety executive, they estimate that actually 20% of accidents on major roads are caused by fatigue. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's undeniable, isn't it? That it seems like over the last few years, especially, mental health has suffered physical health has suffered absolutely people seem more burned out now than ever before well-being is impacted in in a greater way perhaps than ever before or at least the conversation around the effects that these things are having on us has grown hasn't it if you work in fewer hours then you have more time for rest recharge you can get an increased energy and focus during your, during your work time as an, an individual you get more time to spend with your friends and family doing whatever you want to do between your hobbies or interests and all of this as you say can have a positive impact on physical and mental health and actually leading to reduced absenteeism as well so again another benefit but neville this sounds great to me <laughs> i i love <laughs> the idea of working a four day week oh so do but i, I. <laughs> <laughs> but i know that actually you believe it to be relatively limited in scope so can you tell me a bit about why you believe that absolutely um, I, I, I'm, I'm not negative about the concept at all i think it mm-hmm. will work well for many businesses but i actually feel like it's been pushed like a solution looking for a problem i believe it's not a panacea for all working time or work-life balance issues it'll work for many but mainly office-based jobs uh, and not even all of those if you think about it for businesses where attendance actually being in a position is part of the the work demand then it's going to prove very difficult to employ this concept without increasing your full-time equivalent staff so if you look at jobs such as frontline police officers firemen bus drivers any driver really they've got to be in the driving seat teachers surgeons most healthcare till operators, contact centres, production line officers, where you've got a position on the line, and warehouse operatives, many, many of this shift type working, it won't work. And the Office for National Statistics reckons there's actually about a 50-50 split between office-based jobs and, and other jobs. So it's unlikely, for instance, you're going to improve police presence on the streets by getting them to work four days. Mm-hmm. And maybe some parts of police working, the um, sort of back office work, that could benefit from this type of approach, but frontline especially will not. And even more than that, I, I've I've implemented many flexible work systems, which actually do have some four day working, or even less at some times of the year. But few businesses work on a flat basis across the year. They might need more work at sometimes less work at others, and this. Uh, it really requires a more flexible approach than simply a four-day week, no working on Friday. And there's other concepts that we can use to encourage productivity. So I think really it's what you've got to do is understand which way of working is, is right for you and your employees. You need to understand the true demand profile of the business. You need to understand the, the requirements for people presence the flexibility, how predictable um, the work is, any skill requirements and specific timings before you actually grab this solution and say, this is what we're going to do. So realistically, I I think the concept may be of use, but it's more than likely for less than 50% of the workforce. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And of course, you previously mentioned that organisations are definitely going to be reluctant to literally down the amount of hours 
of output that they're gaining. So actually for a lot of people, the idea of a four day week is actually a condensed work week doing 10 plus hours of work per day. Yeah. When And, you know, we, we've probably got to consider the fact that most people probably work a little bit more than their hours anyway. Yeah. So, you know, you can add a, maybe a couple of hours for some people to that. And suddenly they're working, you know, half of the half of the hours they have throughout the week to, to sleep and socialize and do all the other things that we need to do as well as work. So I guess that some it's kind of ironic that something which mainly has come from a place of well-being and work-life balance probably could actually end up being something which adds a lot more pressure to staff or actually impacts their well-being negative negatively in other ways perhaps so even sort of if the concept is possible without increasing the cost so we actually are condensing the work then you've got to take great care into really condensing that work into a, a shorter time period and actually making it more stressful, a more stressful, intense period of work. So actually, you need a longer break to actually recover from this more stressful um, work week. So, mm-hmm. I mean, again, it might not be ideal in that instance. And there's all sorts of other issues which can cause problems as well. Arranging meetings when um, people have different times off. Obviously, this is made be made much easier through platforms such as Teams, Zoom, etc. But really this asynchronous sort of type of work can actually require people to attend meetings when they're meant to be off and this means that relaxation and rest and recovery can sort of come out the window there and and, and the other alternative is we have people in all at the same time we have, and we reduce the sort of work by sort of taking friday off well then is that right for the rest of the business it could be very difficult to get a response of, or a decision or, or, or work from that group if the rest of the business, for instance, is not working the four-day work week. How do we how do we contact them? How do we get get sort of work from people that aren't there? So there's a chance you can actually increase staff. It could reduce productivity. It's not guaranteed, and it might actually reduce the quality of the work output. And I think this has got to be examined really in great detail by each organisation that's looking at this concept, how it would work for their own unique circumstances, rather than relying on the the limited trials that have taken place so far. I mean, the the UK examples really have only been going a few months in any case. So is, is that long enough to see actually how they really work well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm quite shocked by this, you know, less than 50% of businesses will this be appropriate for. That's an interesting, you raise some really interesting points and maybe something that when you take an overly simplistic view of the four day week, it's quite easy to forget these these smaller details that really do define whether this is going to be something that's viable for the majority of businesses. But I'm really interested in the concept of it being a potentially exclusionary practice. So could you tell me a little bit more about that and, and what that means? It really depends the business sector you're in. But actually also, as I've described for some examples, what area of the business you're in as well. If you are one of the unlucky employees, which are often, but not always, the lower paid sort of uh, areas where your job means that presence is required for the operational time then potentially you won't get the opportunity to work the four-day working week so you could effectively say 20 percent increase in hourly pay for your colleagues which was very nice for them but for yourself no change Mm -hmm. and i know you can't treat all employees exactly the same but is this equitable we don't 
create them and us, uh, where the what used to be called white collar workers get treated better than the rest. And we've already seen this to some extent with working from home. So really, it's it's about sort of preventing that. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You don't want to um, increase the divides in your business. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So it's very obvious from this conversation that the four day week is not a one size fits all. But I'm wondering what other solutions are out there that we can find to increase productivity, help workers with their well-being or work-life balance. What are the other options that maybe could work? There's various methods of flex systems. I was actually asked to introduce um, a new flexible working scheme to a, a large kitchen manufacturing site. And I actually looked at their existing contractual flexible arrangements and modeled sort of the work demand over, over the year. And actually, we, what we did find that looking at the existing contractual flex that they had, the demand could be met. It's just that actually the, the, the flex and the, the definition of flex wasn't properly understood between departments or even uh, and, and sites. And actually, better education and training of this already existing flexibility that was available meant we could actually meet the demand without changing anything and just actually just using existing flexibilities. And this, with, with added training and spreading additional work rather than cons- concentrating on just a few people, this meant better work-life balance and better productivity for all. So that's one, using flex systems. Job sharing, again, another, another recent example, part of a large security department, for actually a, a big government facility that I've been working with recently. They've got specific times of the day and night when they need people, so it's about security. We've offered a number of split positions, and, and that will actually suit people that, got, that want to work on specific days of the week or who want to work reduced hours. And obviously expanding on sort of reduced hours, part-time work within the same organisation. There's specific peaks and troughs of activity required across the year, week and day. And we've used part-timers to supplement attendance at these peaks across the day and the week. Mm -hmm. And used also a form of almost term time working to prevent overstaffing when we don't need people when they're less busy. Furthermore, there's compressed hours. We've already talked about that a bit. Shifts are stretched into longer blocks, meaning fewer days of work are needed. Uh, like I say, this is really a lot of what a lot of the four-day week seems to be. Yeah. But there's also there's also a lot of non-standard shift patterns. We talked about nine to five, but there's also a, there's a lot more out there from double days to six-day working, 24 times five working, 24 times six working and all sorts of combinations, mainly based on eight and 12 hours being the the most common, but there can be all sorts of other shift lengths as well. Different requirements over different days, and and can repeat over any number of days. Perhaps the most complicated example that I've come across was a number of years ago, I worked with a port authority that meant that shift start time altered every day as the tide changed. And this and this repeated according (laughs) to the phase of the moon. So quite complicated. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense. And you know, it's really interesting to hear from your own history and and career some of the things that people have implemented. Um, hopefully very few working patterns are as complex as having to follow the cycles of the moon. (laughs) Absolutely Um, not. But one thing that I'm really interested in, again, this kind of draws on your history, is whether you think that 
businesses truly understand the issues that their people are facing. So uh, uh, most businesses simply not clued into their workers. And also along those lines, do they really know what the business requirements are to have people present at work? Well, the answer to both questions really is often no. I've, I've worked with many organisations and when it comes to sort of changing ways of working, starts with a manager sitting down with a spreadsheet or some other business system and the usual response is something that's blunt ass we need to add another shift we need to add a weekend crew mm-hmm. lots of blunt instruments like that and they wonder why the workforce is reluctant and obviously the most valuable people to get on side in any change are the people who are changing of course uh, so you do your analysis obviously but then be open and honest make sure you work together to sort of educate and create an understanding with your staff, because this is the only way forward to get an amicable solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's often difficult, as many organisations haven't looked at this way of working together. Trust may be in short supply, but if you can do it, the sort of the, the prize for organisation employees can be huge. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've just very very recently just I'm working with a drinks manufacturer, going from five day working to seven day working because really that's what the factory needed to do. And it's a very difficult change. The initial response from the working groups is, I'm not working any weekends. I never have. Employ a weekend team. There was no possibility of employing a weekend team. You can't Mm -hmm. actually get the staff that just want to work weekends. But working together, we've got the final response voted through by developing a a seven-day, 12-hour shift pattern, which actually has every other weekend off, and actually gives the staff far more leisure time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually, this will keep the site competitive because they're now using their full assets to the, the full extent, and it'll protect the jobs on that site. So really, it's a, it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. So as I've said, we need to understand the organization's need for, uh, for a physical human presence from a skills and timing perspective before committing to any flexible working methodology. We need to look at costs. We, know, we need to look at workforce demographics, individual requirements. What are the flexible needs of the people and the business? What are existing contractual arrangements? Do we have to change them? How far do we have to change them? And it's only once we've identified and looked at all these that you can really strike the right balance between offering greater flexibility to staff and improving organisational efficiencies as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's really that's the now, isn't it? That's that's the what organizations can do right now or or some of the creative solutions for right now. My last question for you, Neville, is how do you see the future of work operating? What are the keys to getting that right? And also, how can technology help us here? I mean, I do believe there will be continued strengths, uh, trends of working from home, working from different time zones as technology advances and work will become more sort of output oriented rather than hours input. There will be more trends for working sort of concepts like the four day week and even gig working, will, that will continue. But I do believe there's issues here about security and commitment to organisations. As I've said, technology might help with collaborative work but still could remain an issue. I don't know whether it's my age, but I I certainly feel that face-to-face meetings allow for more nuance and general understanding. There are more new technologies such as Meta and things like that that may help with this. Who knows about that? But for the other 50%, it's increasingly all about the data. 
as we move forward, there's going to be more and more historical data to analyze. Um, we can use predictive technologies to plan for the future, integrating with other databases and information, point of sales information, weather, traffic, all of this allows for a better understanding of future requirements. And the increasing use of tools such as Power BI, that's only going to be the start of things. And as sort of things get more complicated, the organization jigsaw, the attendance patterns get more complicated. We need to understand what's happening within the workforce, within the workplace. So workforce management systems um, can be used to allow organizations really to better understand what's going on, to identify staff trends so we can see what's happening early and sort of um, protect business efficiencies and staff welfare as well. And they can be used to provide either automatic or semi-autonomous sort of solutions to change. So I emphasize semi-autonomous here really on purpose because I don't think it should be an automatic computer generated thing which actually always changes people requirements. I think you need a human touch more. And with the right tools, you can adapt to situations with more with sort of basic ground knowledge. So with all this data, I think it might mean that sort of working life might mean to need to become a bit more pliable on both sides, really. Really, workforce planning and management will become an ever-changing cycle as it has to adapt to changes in people and, and business requirements as well. Well, that's that's absolutely fascinating, Neville. It's it's been a really, really interesting conversation. I really appreciate your time. So thank you so much. I hope our listeners enjoyed this as much as I did. Thank you. Well, another huge thank you to Neville Henderson for being our guest for today. And a huge hat tip to Crown as well for sponsoring this podcast. Obviously, if you'd like to know any more about the subject we discussed today, there is some information below this podcast. You can click on any of those links and get in touch with Crown and Neville for yourself. But for now, thank you very much. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Next week.